Well, hello there, and welcome again to our latest message from Milton Bible Church. I just pray you're encouraged by Pastor Jim's sermon today, and it's all about making peace with others. It's a stressful time right now with COVID-19, but I believe this message will help you be a peacemaker in your own relationships. Let's listen. Well, once again, welcome to Milton Bible Church Online. It is great to be together on this first Sunday morning in May. We're looking forward to the summer and all that the summertime brings, but more than anything, we're looking forward to being together again, and Lord willing, that will be one day soon. Next week, we have a great Sunday planned. Abby Corbin will be our guest speaker. She is going to preach on Mother's Day. Abby is a midwife from Hawthorne Midwives. She is also the mother of five kids. She knows a lot about being a mom. And so she's going to come. She's going to encourage us from the Word of God. It is going to be a fantastic day together. Um, we're going to get into our sermon today. But before we do that, let's just pause for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for how it ministers to our lives and our hearts. And we pray that you would equip us now for your glory and honor. Encourage us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we're going to wrap up our series called Overcomers, and we've been talking a lot about a different thing, a lot about a lot of different things. But today I would like to talk about overcoming relational strife. Our series has been based on 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, which says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Today we want to talk about overcoming strife, especially as it pertains to relational strife. The strife and tension that has really been mounting in many homes uh, across our region and across our cities and even across our nation as this COVID-19 uh, pandemic continues to, to uh, you know, kind of contain us all at home. In fact, one of the things that is true with the stay-at-home policies that began uh, with the COVID-19 battle to help us all stay safe there has been one group that, uh, while the goal has been uh, stay at home and stay safe, for one group, um, it has not been so safe. And so what we have seen across our region is a rise in spousal abuse, a rise in tensions in homes, 50% increase in crisis calls to kids' helplines, and there has been actually double the amount of alcohol and narcotics being used in everyday use in homes right now. And so I want to talk about peace. We're going to talk about relational peace. We're going to talk about peace at home, peace with our neighbors, peace at work. We want to talk about peace that is so important. Now, a couple of misconceptions about peace that we looked at last week, and I want to mention them again this week because they're so true. And the first one is this, peace is not avoiding a problem. It's not avoiding a problem. Just because you and I have chosen not to discuss a problem does not mean that there's been peace over the problem, and it doesn't mean that there's been peace between us. Um, marital discord, one of the number one reasons for marital discord is because tensions rise because of things that are swept under the carpet and unresolved conflict. And so we want to talk about that today. Another misconception about peace 
or peacemaking is peace is not about appeasing another person. It's not about uh, appeasement. It's not about where one person wins and the other person loses, where one person's happy and the other person walks around with their head down like they've been beaten and, uh, and is just doing things to make peace so that things would not explode and, and, and tensions wouldn't rise. That's not peace. That's not peace. Peace uh, on earth. We want to talk about a relational experience. So if you'll allow me, I would say this. I would say that the peace that we're going to talk about now is probably the toughest kind of peace for any Christian. It's uh, a peace that requires us to turn the other cheek. It's a peace that requires us to walk the extra mile. And yet, well, I'm convinced that if we possess this kind of peace, the kind of peace that the Bible talks about, we would see many, many people come to Christ, entering into the kingdom of God because they see a supernatural peace, a divine peace that's based on biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom that helps to bring peace, pursue peace, and see peace spread abroad. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. So how to be a peacemaker. How to be a peacemaker. I'm gonna do something that I think I've only ever done once in 30 years, and that is I'm gonna use an acrostic. So for some of you who love to take notes, this is a perfect time for you to do that. Maybe we can post them you know, afterwards, send them in. But um, uh, we're gonna use an acrostic, peace, P-E-A-C-E. And uh, let me begin with the first one, peace. P, plan a peace conference. In Psalm 34, verse 14, it says this, turn, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The psalmist says, what I want you to do is I want you to seek peace. I want you to pursue it. I want you to go after it. It's not something that just happens. It's something that we do and that we go after and that we're, we're intentional about. So if you want to have a good relationship with people, play in a peace conference. Think of people that you have a problem with and sit down with them. We know that nations have peace conferences, presidents and prime ministers have them. Well, guess what? You can have them too. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, it says this. So if you remember that your brother has something against you, be reconciled to your brother. Come to terms quickly. So come to terms quickly, make peace along with seek peace and pursue it. There's a couple things I want you to understand when it, you're talking about planning a peace conference. And the first thing is this, take initiative. Take initiative. Go after it. There needs to be a sense of urgency about making peace one with another. There needs to be a sense that, that I'm gonna pursue this. I'm gonna look for this. I'm gonna seek this. I'm gonna do it quickly. And I'm not gonna wait forever. The other thing is this, work hard at peacemaking. The psalmist was so realistic, wasn't he, when he said, seek peace. You've got to look for it. You've got to go after it. So let me ask you a question. How many of you know one person who it's hard to have peace with? One person who's hard to have peace with. Try to live in peace. So that's P. Plan a peace conference. And then secondly, empathize with their feelings. Peter told the, uh, the church in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, he says, finally, all of you have a unity 
have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Take a look at some of these words. They're so important. They're loaded with empathy. They're stacked with emotion. The word sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. These words are so important that if we are going to have empathy one towards another, if we're going to understand what other people are going through and what other people are feeling in order to help them and help one another and to really have peace. So let me tell you three things about how to empathize. The first one is this, listen without lecturing. Listen without lecturing. If you care, you will be aware. I'll tell you that in all truth, this is one of those messages that I hate, that I have to preach in advance at myself. Um, because how many of us, when we listen to somebody, all we're thinking about is what we're gonna say next. But, 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 but here, here's my point. But here's an illustration of that. Here's what, what listen. Listen without lecturing. In other words, button it up. <laughs> Be quiet. Stop talking. Let somebody else speak and just be present for them. Secondly, make an effort to understand. Make an effort to understand. The scripture teaches us that peacemaking takes a great deal of effort. It takes a great deal of effort. In fact, in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, likewise, husbands, Live with them according to understanding. The old King James says according to knowledge. In other words, <clears throat> husbands, live with your wives according to understanding them, according to knowing them, according to really understanding who they are and what they're about. Do you know, when I was younger, when I was a young pastor, and people would come in and they would tell me, here are my problems, here are my issues, here are what's going on in my life, I would just sit there quietly and I would just say reflective statements like, oh, that must be really hard, oh, that must be, you know, very emotional, or that must be really difficult to understand. I would just nod my head, and half the time, I wouldn't have a clue what they were actually talking about. I wouldn't have a clue what they were actually saying, but I thought if I just was quiet and reflective, I would seem more intelligent. <laughs> well, now that I'm older, I say things like, could you explain that a little bit more because I'm having a hard time understanding it. I want to understand what you really mean. So can you give me an example of that? Make an effort to understand. Make an effort to understand. And the third one is this. Focus on the needs of others. If someone is hurting you, it's probably because they are hurting. If someone is hurting you, it's probably because they are hurting. So you empathize by focusing on the needs of others. That's why those words, sympathy, love, tender-hearted, humble, are so important. I promise you, when you begin to listen with sympathy, love, being tender-hearted and humble in your own mind, as you listen to people, you will begin to empathize. So that's the second point, is empathize with their feelings. The third point in our peace plan is attack the problem, not the person. Ephesians 4, 29, it says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace 
to those who hear. It may give grace to those who hear. It may give love to those who are hearing you speak. So whenever you're gonna sit down to work out the conflict, understand this, deal with the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. And that's kind of hard sometimes, isn't it? It's hard for it not to get personal. It's hard for it not to get emotional. It's hard for us not to take offense at it. But attack the problem, not the person. Ephesians 4.15 says this. Rather speak the truth in love. In other words, we have to get at the issue. We have to get at the problem. We have to get at the truth in order to speak in love in order to work through things to make peace. I wanna make a statement right now that you've probably never heard before in the area of peace and conflict. But I think it's a very true statement. And that statement is this, that I believe conflict is the door to intimacy. Conflict is the door to intimacy. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, well, Jim, You're knocking at the wrong door there. What are you talking about? That really does not make any sense. Well, you know what? It's when we really begin to dig in and when we really begin to uh, focus in on what the real issues are, that's when things begin to get settled. That's when relationships begin to get reconciled. And the more we dig, the more potential we have for intimacy in our life. What I'm saying is that peace is not an absence, uh, an absence of conflict uh, between individuals. It's not. Because all of us are individuals. All of us have our own opinions. All of us think differently. And we're going to come at things differently. And we're going to disagree on things. And there will always be issues in which we don't agree on. And we always need to be able to have heart heart-to-heart conversations. But I will tell you something. You show me any relationship that's close. You show me any relationship that has become intimate over time, and I will show you a relationship that has intimacy. It's a relationship that has intimacy because it has learned to resolve conflict and work through conflict and know what it is to resolve conflict. Conflict is the open door towards intimacy. And whenever I see a couple that have been together a long time and they're really close, I know that they've had conflict and they've been able to work through it. And that is why they enjoy intimacy. You know, sometimes I have couples, they come to me and they say, Jim, we have never ever had an argument in our lives. And I think to myself, well, you've certainly told some lies in your life. Um, And maybe you're just telling yourself one right now. You see, every growing relationship has conflict. Attack the problem, not the person. The next thing we see in our peace plan is this. Cooperate as much as possible. Romans 12, 18 says this. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. James three seventeen says this. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And what James is saying is this, if you're wise, you will compromise. 
If you're wise, you will compromise. Compromise is always the hallmark of every great successful relationship. You see, the number one problem of marriages in the country of Canada, and the reason that marriages end up in divorce court is not adultery, it's not abuse, it's not alcohol, it's none of those things. The number one reason that marriages dissolve is what you would call inflexibility. Inflexibility. The unwillingness of two people to be flexible in a relationship. So in other words, someone says, listen, I have moved enough to your side and I am not moving anymore. Now what we call that is not inflexibility, but we call it incompatibility. In the court system, it's, it's uh, like I'm just not co- uh, compatible with that person. You know, they just don't fit me. But the truth is, it's really inflexibility, not incompatibility. A guy by the name of Paul Tournier, who's a very respected psychiatrist, he wrote a book called To Understand Each Other's Rights. And this is what he says. He says, so-called incompatibility is a myth invented by jurists in order to plead for divorce. It is likewise just a common excuse for people to hide their own failings. Misunderstanding and mistakes can be corrected where there is a willingness to. So the problem is a lack of complete frankness and flexibility. You know what? I believe that. Whenever your marriage is in trouble, whenever your relationship is in trouble, I can tell you it's going to boil down to six things. Here are the six things that I find common in marital relationship. Money, sex, power, kids, scheduling, and the in-laws. One of those six things is usually common to marital discord in 90% of the time. So, Cooperate as much as possible. Come to the other person's side. Compromise is always wise. And compromise will lead you to greater things. Be flexible. And then lastly, emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. We've been given a great quote. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 by the Apostle Paul to a church that was full of strife. And this is what he wrote. He said this, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Reconciliation is reestablishing relationship. Resolution is solving the issue, solving the problem. Reconciliation is what we are after. It is who we want to be. We want to be peacemakers who enable reconciliation. And one of the reasons we love the gospel of Jesus Christ so much is because God, through Jesus and what he's done on the cross, has reconciled us to the Father. Jesus, by dying on the cross, bearing our sin, has, has made the way so that the path is open for us to go to the, come to the Father through faith. And the Bible says, you know, that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And as Christians, we should understand that more than anyone else. How important this ministry is to bring peace. Not just peace between us and God, but peace between us and one another. Reconciliation is what we're after, not resolution, not resolving every issue. 
So let me just say this. Don't try and resolve every issue. Don't try and resolve it. Because we are different. We're different individuals. And I can promise you, in your relationships, not every issue is going to be resolved. So no matter how much I may want it, how much I'm going to work at it, not every issue is going to be resolved. But every issue, every, but every relationship can be reconciled. Every relationship can be reconciled. We can always work towards loving one another more and growing in that. James 3.18 says this. It's a great quote. He says this. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, this was written to farmers and people who understood what the harvest was. And so if you drive by a farmer's field and you see the hay that's brought in at harvest or you see the corn that's brought in or you see, you know, so many things that, that just piles and piles. And what he's saying is this. Listen, those of us who will pursue peace, those of us who will become peacemakers, there will be a harvest of righteousness. There will be an amazing amount of peace that is sown and peace that is found. I wanna, I wanna leave you with this great uh, quote somebody gave me just a few weeks ago, and I've not forgotten it, but I wanna leave this with you as we close. Here's the quote. Whenever you're going in a conversation or about to start a conversation, about to reconcile a relationship, ask this question. How do we finish this conversation loving each other more than when we first sat down? Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that a great, thoughtful quote? How do we finish this conversation loving each other more than when we first sat down? That's a question we should always ask when we begin a conversation that may be filled with tension or conflict or difficulty or even hostility. That's a great question to ask. So let me ask you a question. Who do you need to make peace with? Who do you need to make peace with today? Well, I would encourage you to have a peace plan, to go hard after it, to seek it, to pursue it, to empathize with people that you are listening to, to attack the problem and not the person, to cooperate as much as possible, and in every way seek reconciliation, not resolution. You know, for me, this is kind of the halftime, uh, the halftime talk. And for my desire for you is to go out there on the field of life where there is strife and there is tension and there is hostility and I want you to do incredibly well and I want you to be incredibly successful and I want you to be a peacemaker that knocks the socks off the kingdom of darkness. So may the word of God, the spirit of God and may the light of Christ be with you as you go out this week being a peacemaker in your community, in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. And may the kingdom of God go forward in power. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you very, very soon. God bless you. Amen. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed that message today. I know I'm encouraged to live a more peaceful life with those around me. I just encourage you, if you'd like to get connected or begin a journey with Jesus today, to head on over to nbc.life. We'll be sure to get you connected there. In the meantime, have a blessed week.